So what do you think of Patrick Reed? Most seem to have an opinion one way or another. I do too. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Really kind of interesting topic today on Patrick Reed. Um, You can kind of see in the, the, the title there, Setting Fires and on Fire. He played great today. Seven under par um, in the Hero Challenge, and it's a it, which is amazing to me. It kind of shows, um, it, it shows this guy's mentality. I mean, if you flash back to who Patrick Reed is, he's a Masters champion now, which is undeniable, right? I mean, that is the end all be all of golf tournaments, as far as I'm concerned. That course tests every aspect of your game, and you have to be dead on perfect. To play well, it identifies the best person in the field every year, you know, the, the one that's playing the best. And so Patrick was playing great golf. Uh, his nickname, Captain America, he, he never shies away from the big moments. That, that match that he had with Rory McIlroy when that was going back and forth, I mean, that was unbelievable in the Ryder Cup. I guess that was um, four years ago. Amazing. Um, he's, he's an interesting cat in that, I think it was 2012, he Monday qualified five times, which is, that is a brutal process. You go into these tournaments, you've got 144 guys showing up for two to four spots and it's just straight up beat your head in one round and you're out kind of a deal. So to come out on top. Five times is amazing. He is just an interesting guy. Fascinating. I find it super interesting. And I guess the, the brouhaha, whatever's going on right now, the, the big stink that's going on right now has to go back to the Ryder Cup as far as setting fires right now. That Patrick Reed was really outspoken when the Ryder Cup Cup got done that he had been split from Jordan Spieth. They were a great team together. They had a lot of success. Kind of called out that situation. Kind of called out Jim Furyk for allowing that to occur. Um, Patrick felt like that he and Jordan should remain a team and that uh, Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas should be a team because they played so well together previously in the uh, President's Cup. So that's kind of what his feelings were. And um, that was not it wasn't in the best interest of the team to split those teams up was his opinion and he's entitled to it the thing that i find super interesting about it there's a lot of things but i find it interesting that he has made absolutely he has made it so it's no secret that we know that he looks up to tiger woods right he's worn that red shirt in honor of tiger woods on sundays which is completely Again, goes to his mentality. He has, uh, he is mentally as strong as probably anybody I know. There, there is a guy that you know doesn't really care about what you think of him. Could care less. I mean, he doesn't. 
he doesn't give an, an iota about any of it. And, um, but you remember back in, I mean, it, the stories are innumerable, right? He's got issues with his family, Justine, who is his wife, who was his caddy for a long time. I don't know if you remember that. She caddied for him for, him for a long time until she got pregnant. Now it's uh, his brother-in-law on the bag. He's kind of divorced himself from his family. He just has a way about him where you have to, you know, love him or hate him. You have to respect the guy. He is a mentally tough individual. Now, he didn't play very well in the Ryder Cup, so that's probably the only chink in his mental armor as far as I can see. He did not play his best golf in the Ryder Cup. But I find it so interesting that he complains about not playing with Jordan when he had the opportunity to play with his childhood hero in Tiger Woods. And that's after Tiger Woods just won the Tour Championship. I mean, Tiger was playing well. It definitely looked like Tiger was tired. And, um, and, and um, Patrick didn't really have his game. I'd never seen him hit so many poor shots. Um, and, and they talked about, you know, what could be causing that. He's hitting Tiger's ball, this, that. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter at this point. But I just find it very interesting at the end of all that. And so you can look at it two ways. One, he's a very selfish guy. Like he, he didn't, he did not enjoy not playing well. And, and maybe it wasn't the nerves of playing in the Ryder Cup. He's done that quite well. I don't know if it was the, I, I know that the fans in Paris were a, a little tough on the Americans. I don't think that that necessarily bothers him. He feels like, well, he, he said publicly that he felt like everybody was against him at the Masters. But that sort of thing sort of fuels him on. So I don't think the, the Paris fans were getting on his nerves. I don't think that was part of it. I, I literally believe that he was bugged because he felt that the, team, the team's best interests were not being you know, considered. And, and he was having a hard time with the fact that he wasn't paired with Jordan. And, and it didn't matter that he was being paired with Tiger. So, so my, my hypothesis on this is he wanted to win. And he felt like to win the Ryder Cup, that the best possible uh, team would have been him and Jordan. That gave them the best chance to win. That gave them the best chance to get all the points. And he felt like uh, Justin Thomas and Rory, I mean, Ricky Fowler together, that gave them the best chance to win, to get all the points there. And because that didn't happen, he didn't play very well. He was, that's what was getting to him, that the team not, was not putting their, their best foot forward. And then he's amazing to me as well because we go to, he was vocal, right? He was very vocal after he, uh, today he made some comments that he hasn't spoken with Jordan Spieth since he kind of came out and blew the whole thing up and set it on fire. And he quipped that, you know, Jordan's got my number. He can reach out to me too. But then went on to say, look, I've got no ill feelings towards Jordan or anybody else. And you know what? I totally believe the guy. I don't think that emotionally it's that big a deal for him. Look at what else is going on in his life. I just don't think that he cares, right? He, he was doing what he felt was best for the team and he can live with that and be comfortable with it. And when he's stating an opinion that he feels strongly about, it doesn't seem to really bother him whether we care or not because he went out and shot seven under par today. He's tied for the lead. 
right? After it had come out, I'm sure that the press jumped on him. He made some comments. He made more comments today about that whole thing, the comment about Jordan Spieth, the whole Ryder Cup thing. So he kind of set it on fire again. He relit the whole conversation, the whole controversy, and then went out and shot seven under par. That's amazing to me. Mentally, he's in a good place, right? When you can do that, when you can face all the, um, the media scrutiny and everything from everybody and still go out and play great golf, amazing. He, he believes that there's a double standard, right, where Phil Mickelson came out and blew up Tom Watson. Uh, Patrick came out and kind of blew up Jim Furyk, kind of st- stated his case. Phil did the same thing, and he's like, look, I'm being treated differently. Everybody celebrated Phil, and people are, you know, throwing me under the bus. They're upset by the things that I said. Now, I, I think Phil seemed to have uh, most of the team on his side, the players, which seemed to make a bigger difference. That's why everybody kind of threw in with that Phil was okay. Whereas it doesn't seem like the entire Ryder Cup team this time around seems to be behind Patrick. There's definitely been some that have come out and stated that that, that Patrick is full of um, naughty words. The team doesn't seem to really be, be behind him, so it's not exactly the same situation. And But that's the way Patrick sees it. And he's comfortable with that. He's okay with it. He's so okay with it, he'll just go out and, and shoot a really good score. And, and golf is just, as we all know, if your mind isn't with you, it's tough to play golf, right? The, the worst golf you play is after you hear from your office, right? I mean, you completely fall apart. Something's going wrong at work and you happen to be out trying to get a quick nine in and you hear something's gone wrong, kaboom, everything goes away and you play some pretty poor golf because your mind is elsewhere. It's really being pulled to someplace else, not Patrick. He just put the ball on the peg and went to work. So totally amazed by him. I believe that there is much to learn from Patrick Reed in playing good golf. So I'm, I, I wanted to dig in and kind of get a good look at how he's, how he's doing this. So I'm going to kind of get in and look at some of the data and see how he's done this. I mean, to, to Monday qualify five times in, tw- in 2012, super impressive. To play the way he does in Ryder Cup, super impressive. To go in and take the Masters and just really never flinch, completely impressive. And then to come out and make comments that, that most people aren't accepting well and are judging you and play great golf like this, incredible. I also listened to an interview of him today when he was talking about how he travels, how he travels so well, and um, how he tries to, as soon as the tournament's over, he puts his brain on whatever the time, um, whatever the the time is for the next place he's staying. So sometimes he has to stay, he has to stay up for 24 hours. So he can get his um, body in the right place, right time zone, right? So if it's, you know, 12 hours difference, then he stays up. And if it's 12 hours from when he needs to go to bed, so he wakes up at the right time, so then he does it. He even mentioned today that he's, you know, because he's been traveling so much that he'll, he'll get tired around 7 o'clock. He knows he will, but he'll make himself stay up a little bit later so he can go to bed, sleep in, and then get his body on the right time clock. So he's a very thoughtful guy. He's, he's not somebody that just throws out his opinions without thinking about them. He really believes in these things and it shows in the way he can play golf. 
He is completely quiet in his head to play that kind of golf. And it's amazing to me. Really, really brilliant. So um, I look forward to watching tomorrow, but that's what stuck out today. Even with everything swirling around, Patrick just stepped up there, put a ball on a tee, hit it, rolled in some putts, finished it off and walked off the course feeling very good about his game and about his comments, about his relationships with the other team members. None of it seems to bother him. Um, completely fascinating. I mean, even Tiger Woods was asked about it, and Tiger just said, you know, it's between us. Tiger wouldn't even talk about it. Uh, well, not that Tiger talks about a lot of things, but just a super fascinating day in golf. There is much to learn from the way Patrick Reed approaches golf. There has to be a way for us to get to a place where we can just be comfortable on the golf course and let everything else that's going on just stay, you know, off the course. So however he does that, I wish he'd write a book because I think it would help all of us to know how his, his mind works. But anyway, that's it for today. I will be digging into the data. I got to figure this guy out. He's fascinating. So I'll dig into it, see what I can find. But until then, thanks for joining us. And remember, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com. And we'll see you on the next episode.